Good evening, everybody. We are back with Q&A, and today is the 30th of May. So, one more day to go, and the fifth month is over. And we are happy to be back. And we hope God will give us the wisdom to answer your questions. We cannot uh, guarantee you satisfaction. That's not with us. <laughs> That's with God. But at least pray God will answer some of your queries. And you will have peace about the questions that you, some of those serious issues that concern you. Some are, of course, doesn't matter one way or other. But some of the questions are pretty serious. So I just pray that God will give you an answer. And Pastor Vijay, you shall start with prayer. Father, we just thank you once again for this day. Thank you, Lord, for all these years, O oh Lord, all these days that we've been to- together here in this place. And thank God for, thank you, God, for this time that you've given to us to be able to share your word. Father, the opportunity that you've given to us to, Father, answer the questions, O oh Lord. Thank you once again for this time that you've blessed us with. And even as we now, Father, spend the next few moment hours, O oh Lord, uh, understanding, O oh Lord, these questions and trying to answer them. I pray, Lord, that you would grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you will truly answer everyone, O oh Lord, because every question, Father, has so many people, so many experiences, O oh Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would just not answer the question, but also the questioner, that you would grant us the wisdom, O oh Lord, to speak the truth in love. And I pray, Father, that we shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. To that end, I pray that you would bless this time together, grant us the wisdom to understand the question and also to answer, O Lord. Grant us, O Lord, your grace this evening, O Lord. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, the first question, Pastor, will be um, something uh, recently. Will Ravi and Nabil meet now or will they have to wait to see each other? <laughs> I met Nabil in college, so I'm a big fan of Nabil Qureshi. So your thoughts on... Okay, and there was another question by mistake. I lost it uh, on from my system. It was also connected with uh, Ravi Zak. Uh, the question somebody asked is, why did he have to go the way he went? Couldn't God have healed him? Couldn't God have used him more at a time like this? So I'll try to combine both questions. First, will Rabbi, Ravi and Nabil meet now? Will they have to wait to see each other? The only answer I can give it you is what Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus. So before the resurrection of Jesus, if they met, mm. how much more should they be meeting now after the resurrection? Death has been overcome. So I do believe they meet where, what form, uh, that's like we can speculate soulish spiritual body, physical body they won't receive, nobody will receive until this Jesus, the rapture takes place. So I believe they have already met, talked it out and mm-hmm. met all the others too from Abraham onwards, Noah, Enoch, I guess they have met them all and uh, then the other question which I wanted to answer was, you know, God is sovereign in his decisions. Uh, in that case, if you were to talk about Ravizak, I would like to answer the question. 
what if Jesus had lived for 60 years and then died? Wouldn't that have been much more powerful? We would have so many more teachings. Okay, it doesn't simply work like that. God has a time and a purpose for each person for a season. And there are so many other factors too. So we may think, but remember, our thoughts are not God's thoughts and our plans are not God's plans. And we could say that about, we could say that about anybody. Anybody. We could say that about anybody. Like, uh, we could, I would say, what if Derek Prince had lived for another 10 years? Mm-hmm. Like me personally, more than Ravi Zak, because Ravi Zak would have touched maybe one or two percent of the world's Christian population, the intellectual crowd. But Derek Prince touches hundreds and thousands of pastors and revolutionizes churches. He's a teacher to the pastors. Okay, Ravi Zak's teachings cannot be applied in the church. It's apologetics. But Derek Prince's teachings are life which is applied personally into each one's life. So I would, would say, Lord, hadn't, if Derek Prince had lived for another 10 years. No, so there are so many people like that. See, C.S. Lewis and Ravi Zach and all fall into a different bracket. God uses each one in different places, different uh, communities. Uh, so if you are uh, more intellectual and you question things, interested in those things, Ravi Zach interests you. But if you are a pastor like us, like especially like me, and you want to reach out to all the people, the poor, how do you translate the life of Jesus Christ in very simple, practical ways where people can be, like I would say, a book like Blessings and Curses of Derek Prince has revolutionized and changed the lives of people radically. Mm. Okay? Now, if you look at Ravi Zach, Oxford, all that background, Derek Prince... Also Oxford, okay? And he was just a orderly, medical orderly in the British Army. Ravi Zak from India. Dirk Prince also was born and grew up in India. Okay, so we look at different. Has Ravi Zak impacted my life? Yes, intellectually. I liked listening to him. You know, it's fantastic about that. But could I take Ravi Zak and preach in my church? Oh, very little. Very, very little. Could I take Derek Prince and teach in my church? Oh, of course, I have learned through Derek Prince to understand the spiritual part of God's word so much. Okay, so each one applies. So if you want to say, this should have lived longer, that should have lived, no, we do not put it that way. No. Why did God take Elijah and not leave him for another 15 years? Mm. Or why did Elisha have to die of a sickness? And there are so many questions like that. No? So we cannot... Uh, Put anybody into that bracket because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. But only we feel bad because all these greats are going. <laughs> the end times is here. God is taking them out and seems like he's leaving us to face the flak and uh, gets a little, little uh, scary. Uh, but God is God and he has the absolute sovereignty and autonomy to deal with his children and his servant's life. When we surrendered our lives to him, uh, offered our bodies as a living sacrifice, we took our hands off it and said, you can do whatever you want to do with it. Martyr, cancer, whatever, whichever way. We have no limitations on it. You do what you want to do with it. So so this is about judgment. So we'll just uh, tackle the next three parts of the same question. The Lord is coming, but we don't know how much longer 
but they have been saying this for 2000 years. Mm. There was rain, flood and craziness in the Old Testament times as well. Mm. How can you confirm that Jesus is near? Explain please. Mm. Uh, would you say Michigan is under curse, under a curse? Also Houston is under curse, New York, California, New Orleans, these states are being attacked in the USA. Are they being judged severely? Can you explain judging our hearts every day? We do judge, we do confess, we do ask God for his mercy, but are we forgiven for sure? Okay, just uh, like this question came a week back and in within this big week, US has changed even more drastically. The cities are burning. But uh, when you talk about judgment, you see all of them saw in part and prophecy, the, the, the end days were only being unlocked. So when you read the book of Thessalonians, you will realize they also thought he would come in their time. But if you were to put it all together, you would have realized that he couldn't have come in their time. Simply, they, he couldn't have. There are a lot of prophecies which were not fulfilled. And so, a lot of things written which could not have happened in their times. Then again, if you look at the eschatological period, and if you look at six days of a week when he began, and the seventh day he rested, and a day is like a thousand years, and we are reaching the mm. end of the sixth year. And we do not know where to count from, where to count from, from his birth or from his death. Okay, so we are not putting a date. We are not definitely putting a date because, again, God is sovereign over this. Because, like we saw in today's message in the morning, he's incredibly patient with us because he doesn't want anybody to perish. So how many can he get in? Like, let us say, the person who asked this question, and you are praying for your sister, and you say, Lord, why don't you come? And he comes in 2020, but your sister could have been saved in 2021. She was so close, but he came early. <laughs> you know, so all those who are saved want to go home. What about the unsaved ones? So God looks at both sides. Okay. So yes, it's very close. Now we look at all the signs and we are able to understand. See, when even John the Revelator was seeing those visions, he could write it only from his perspective. Mm. He's seeing a divine vision, but how does he formulate it into words only with his times and with his understanding? So he will see, uh, like, you know, if you if you were to see scorpions which with the poison in its tongues and I mean on its tail and all that today we know like what it is smoke and all that we know what it is kind of modern kind of uh, weaponry and all I'll especially tell because this is one of the things in Zechariah uh, the, the the in the book of Zechariah it talks about the judgment of the Lord when it happens it, it I, I'm, not, I'm not able to receive eyes, yeah. eyes melt yeah eyes. it talks about before the man falls dead to the ground, his eyes have melted. Okay? Eyes have melted. Now, who would in any century able to figure out what does it mean? Mm-hmm. What does this mean? How is it even possible even to interpret it? How do you interpret it? But today we know that that's exactly what happens when there is a nuclear attack. Mm-hmm. Because it sucks away all the liquid moisture. in your moisture in your body. Yes. And before your body hits the ground, the all the liquid in your eyes are gone. And we know it's possible today and it was not possible then. Again, you talk about the two witnesses in the book of um, Revelation. I believe it's Enoch and Elijah. Because they are the only two people who didn't die in the Old Testament that they will come and they will uh, preach, they will be killed and their bodies will be lying there for three days. And the scripture says the whole world will see it. Now, was it possible for anybody even outside the street of Jerusalem to see their bodies 50 years ago? No. No. It was not possible. 
But today can we see it? Yes, wherever you are sitting and listening to this question, you are seeing us. You are seeing us. We are sitting in some small little room in a place called Alwal in Hyderabad in India. And you are seeing us in Australia, you are seeing in New York, you are seeing in Middle East, you are seeing all around the world. So certain things that were written is only possible now. Mm. It's a prophetic picture which was never possible. And, and the main thing is that what never happened for over 2,300 or 400 years that never happened was this. There was a specific prophecy concerning Israel. That in the last days, he would bring back whom he had scattered around the world. He would bring them back and make them again a nation. And looked impossible for hundreds of years. Literally a couple of thousands of years it looked impossible. On May 14, 1948, Israel came into being exactly as it is written in the book of Isaiah. Can a nation be born in a day? Mm-hmm. And Israel was just born in a day. The day the UN General Assembly, the last vote was counted, when the gable went down, Israel was born in that day. May 14th, 1948, Israel was born. So it was literally out of nowhere born in a day, and God brought his people back again. So we know that technically, last days began in 1948, we had 72 days, and today is 38, 16 days into Israel's, if you want to count last day, 72 days. 72 years. 72 years and 16 days into it. So these things are there. So that's how I, then when you look about these cities and yes, US is in for really, really bad time. I hope civil war doesn't break out. I hope it does not because uh, it's just not the racial divide. It is, it's there, the racial divide is there. It's because also, US is unique like Israel. US was a nation that was also founded under God. If God founded Israel and gave Israel his name, America founded itself and gave, handed themselves over to God and made a covenant with God. And it's a very dangerous thing to make a, a covenant with God and not keep it. Not keep it. And your one dollar bill, everything says one nation under God. And therefore you will see the attack against Christian institutions has been the highest in US. And what you are seeing right now, forget these cities alone. Why right now what you are seeing in these cities, you wanna escape, you wanna excuse it as a racial divide. But this is not just racial mm-hmm. divide. This is not racial divide. If you see, these are all young people, and many of them are whites and blacks. Mm-hmm. And these are all from the universities. Many of them are from universities, many are from, from the hood. But this is what exactly the liberal leftist universities teach the young people uh, in U.S., especially U.S. And what it is, is that you need to realize, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God works on order. And the devil wants to create anarchy. And you need to realize the thinking of all these young ones in the universe, they are, they are anarchists. Mm. They are anarchists. And who thrives in an anarchy? It is the devil who thrives in anarchy. And that's what you're having, what is having in those states. And if you look at it, most of this, almost all the cities, if my, I, I didn't do a Google search, but if my understanding is right, every city that is burning is either in a blue state mm-hmm. or it's controlled by a blue mayor. Mm-hmm. And what have you told the cops? No, I don't side with the cops. Even in India, I don't like the cops, the way they are brutal and all like that. But I respect law and order. 
is a two different things. I do not like the way the cops handle their, uh, they're sometimes too brutal and too violent. But those are two different things. One is a person, the other is something that is ingrained to me that you have to respect the law. So I respect the law, but I do not approve of so many of the, uh, the way the, the cops handle situations. So, but, the the problem is, I remember Derek Prince saying something long time ago, many, many years ago. He said something. Um, law and order will survive in a country only when the majority of the people want it. Yes, the right. day the majority of the people do not want law and order, the nation will go into chaos. And America, not just America, other nations are also moving into it. But what will move into it is not chaos. Dictatorships will come in. What you see in China. What you see even in this nation. Very powerful leaders and powerful. They will control the social media. They will control the movements of people. They will use a semblance of democracy. But all those who any raise a voice against them, they know how to come after you in a hundred different ways. hundred different ways. They know how to do it. And that is going. what is going to happen. And the thing is that that is how the Antichrist will rise. The Antichrist has to rise by creating chaos in free nations. In the other nations, they have very Vladimir Putin, Xi, and even North Korea, India. All these places you will see we have very powerful, in so many ways, autocratic leaders. And there's no voice of opposition at all. But in liberal countries, what has happened? The liberal leftists have taken over almost all the nations, except U.S. All the nations. They have taken over. And when they take over, they change the laws. And they change the laws. And you don't even realize in liberal so-called leftist nations, the laws they have framed is taking your civil liberties away. And the only ones who are worried about civil liberties are believers and conservatives. Yes. The others are not worried about civil liberties because they don't restrict you from doing what they like doing. What do they like doing in a Christian perspective? They like sin. And they don't legislate against sin. You can abort as many babies as you want. You can have all your sexual fantasies. We'll give you freedom for that too. We'll even subsidize medicine and socialism and everything will give you free. But they will bring restrictions to those moral absolutes of God. Mm -hmm. And who are the ones who struggle? Are the conservatives and the believers. So you will see that is why the election that took place four years ago was what something nobody expected in U.S. I'm not like pro-Trump has pro-Trump, but I know that he's put in there by God. And if that's why everything that's happening has got to do with November 2020. Got to do with November 2020. And people ask me, when will things change? I said, wait till November. So many prophecies, so many people are speaking, but wait till November. What happens on November 3rd? will know which way we are moving in. If he wins, we have little more time. If he loses, definitely the end time have been hastened. He's coming fast. Because there's no more left, hope for left. Because at least he's, he may not, because you see in a time like this, we would say, oh, if Mike Pence was the president. Mike Pence is a very soft-spoken person. He's a very nice, godly, spokesperson person. But the enemy you are fighting is not soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. It's not Fox Potion. They are violent. The media is violent. Hollywood is violent. Uh, every industry that captivates the hearts and minds of the people out there, they are all violent. 
the words they use, the, the filth they speak. To go after them, you need a tough man. Political leader, you need a tough man. And that's why I believe, I believe uh, Isaiah 45, that he is Cyrus. The Cyrus prophecy fits in him because he is the 45th president of United States. And to Cyrus it is, and Cyrus does not even know God. I don't know whether Trump really knows God, but Cyrus was picked for a season that he would let his people free, mm. God's people free. And it was during the time of Cyrus, out of the blue, the proclamation was given, go back and rebuild Jerusalem. And what no American president did, they all said yes and kept postponing. He did. He transferred uh, Jerusalem back as the capital of, uh, acknowledged Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, which no American president dared to do. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. He did. You know, so if you look at it, it fits. It fits. But again, it's a speculation. We cannot be, say, 100% sure. But you will see. So I see one by one by one, all these things are happening. And doing the, do you think the rights can be stopped? Of course you can. You can stop any rights. But will they do it? No, they will not do it. They're, they're cajoling the protesters. You never can do that if you want to survive as a nation. You never can cajole the rioters. You order the police to vacate the police station and move out and allow them to get in and burn a police station down. Then what are you as a state? The problem is America, you have autonomy in cities and states and all. It's not like India where the central government can um, dismiss the government and the federal government can take over. America doesn't work like that. The constitution is completely different, completely different, completely different. But when you do that, you're strengthening evil. What happened was evil, but the response was even more evil. And the response has got nothing to do with what has happened. It's got nothing to do with what has happened. It's got nothing. And let me tell you, I'm talking to as a brown man. <laughs> I'm not talking to as a white man. I'm talking to as a brown man whose country was uh, ruled by the white man for 300 years. But I am for law and order. I am for law and order. You cannot love, allow anarchy. Because when anarchy happens, what is happened? Who is, who is being penalized? It's law-abiding citizens who are being penalized. It's the law-abiding citizens who are being penalized. Who pays the price? The ones who pay the taxes, Taxpayers, the ones right. who never break the law, the ones who build their industries and their shops and their little businesses with their sweat and blood, they're the ones who are paying the price. Okay, so what should you do for what the police officer did? Yes, he's been being charged with third degree murder. That's how it should go. And of course, these cities, yes, these cities all will be hit because they are, they, the leadership in many of those wicked cities behind the scenes are very, very wicked. Very, very weak. Let me tell you a simple example to um, people who are listening in U.S. You had the election in Florida last year, I think, for the governor. And it went down to the wire. Went down to the wire. And DeSantis finally won. And the person who lost, I forgot his name. He was, uh, huh? Uh, yeah, Andrew Gullum. He lost. Okay, Andrew Gullum lost. Just imagine for a minute, Andrew Gullum had won. What did we see of Andrew Gillum a few weeks back? Where was he found? He was found with another man. Police had to be called. Both were on a drug haze. And one, the one guy was naked in the bathroom. In the bathroom, he also was naked. And they covered it all. But it all the pictures, everything came out. Imagine. Is this who you want as a, as a governor? A drug addict? Is this what you wanted as a governor? 
Thank God he didn't become a god of a state. So how many things are there in the leadership which we do not even know of? You know, because this is the problem. You take God out of the picture, all you have left is anarchy. All you have left is anarchy. And these are the states, okay, one by one by. I don't even understand how can, uh, I can understand you abstain from voting, but I never can understand how you can be American citizen who is a Christian, whatever okay. color, and white Democrat, a vote Democrat. How can you? These are people who have taken God out of the entire system. In the last convention, they did not even want God to be mentioned at all. They want to be atheistic party. They are the ones who are pushing for every kind of abortion, every kind of immoral, illegal stuff that is anthema, abomination to God. They are the ones supporting it in the name of civil liberties. So what, what kind of a Christian are you? What kind of a Christian? If I was a Christian, I didn't like the Republicans, I would just stay at home. I wouldn't even vote for anybody. I won't vote for anybody. But one thing I know, if I'm a Christian, I would never vote Democrat. Because I look at their policies, their policies are anti-God. They're anti-God. They are such anti-God people. The living God. Living God. And they have allowed these things to happen. They have allowed these things to happen. You know? Because I'm an Indian. I don't vote in America anyway. I'm just expressing my political views from a religious standpoint of view, that because you claim to be a nation under God, and I don't think you are a nation under God, you won't be there for too long. You'll be a nation under God for too long. Hmm. So can you explain judging our hearts every day? Yes, we judge our hearts. In this context. In this context. context, We keep judging. We are not condemning ourselves. Once we are in Christ Jesus, remember, there is no condemnation. But remember, there is so much about ourselves we do not even know and which we do not even realize. It does not agree with God. So the entire part of salvation is first we are saved, we are birthed by the Spirit of God. After that, he is confirming us into the image of Christ Jesus. And scripture says, you have the mind of Christ Jesus, meaning we have to grow from there to the mind of us. That's where we judge. How do we judge? We hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit convicts and says, yeah, what I heard is true. That does not agree with me. Like if you heard today's morning's message, I'm not a patient person. And God is patient. Christ is patient. So I need to be patient because Christ is patient. I am impatient. I cannot remain impatient. I have to become patient. So you look at it and you judge yourself. You confess. You repent. And then you ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, I don't have the power to be patient. Mm. If we could do all these things on our own, then that is not salvation. That is religion. It is work. So we say, Holy Spirit, please make me a patient person. That is how we judge. And uh, and you are always forgiven. Because if your forgiveness is based on your works, then we can never be forgiven. Yeah, we forgiveness is based on our repentance. We repent, we believe, we confess, and God looks at the price Jesus paid, and we are forgiven. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So in this context, Pastor, let us look at questions 6 and 7. Uh, 6 and 7. seven. It okay. uh, says, how can we share the gospel to our unbelieving friends, non-Christian friends, who only know the overview of Christianity and not about the salvation of their souls, about the judgment day and end days? What is the proper way of sharing the gospel, especially during this time? See, one of the first things I'll always say is there are simple time-tested methods. And then, of course, there is the leading of the Holy Spirit. One of the things I'll always say is pray. Mm. If you are worried, concerned about somebody, family, friends, pray. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says. 
And then like the simple things which we always used to do is tracks, transcripts, you know, which is relevant, you believe, which will touch them. But above all, there is a situation which is described in the book of Acts where Paul and Silas, because they did a miracle of delivering a girl who was possessed with a divining spirit, the city was mad, they beat them up and they threw them into the prison, locked them up, put their legs in stocks. And scripture says they were singing and praying. And scripture says all the captives were listening. Mm. And we know at the end of the story, when the jailer and the family comes to the Lord. And if you look at them, they didn't do anything. They didn't preach any gospel. They didn't give any track out. <laughs> they didn't do anything. They just in that incredibly dark, miserable situation allowed Christ to live through them. Hallelujah. That's all they did. That was their witness. Christ is never defeated. Christ can never be chained. And if the life of Christ is in me, even in this situation, what will I do? I will do what the word tells me to do. I will sing and I will praise. And when they saw that, everybody was listening and scripture says the power of God comes in and there is an incredible change in the lives of people. And I primarily always say, to strangers, you give a tract, you share, you invite them to church if you can strike a conversation. But with people whom you work and you live with, your life is your witness. Your life is your witness. Your life is your witness. They look at it and they will ask you the reason for your hope. Amen. How come you are so calm? We saw you. Because you see, the life of Christ cannot be hidden. Mm-hmm. We saw you. We saw you. Somebody, it's not there because I didn't want to print that out, the words you said. Some of you who recently got saved asked this question. Will God forgive us because we still use foul language? <laughs> and you mentioned some words and all that, no? Let me tell you, before I got saved, you might find it surprising, but it is actually true about me, the old me. Before I got saved, in every three words, two words were foul. Because that's how you want to be in the in crowd in college. Mm. The filthier, the more you are accepted. Okay. <laughs> and I had, and Malayalam can be an unbelievably filthy language if you want to. I'll tell you also why. Because there is a particular temple in Kerala, particular temple in Kerala for that festival, people who gather, you have to offer different deities in <laughs> India, different things. They don't, all the deities don't accept the same thing. One guy may want laddu, another guy may want banana. So different deities, you give different things. But this particular deity, which is female, wants filth from your mouth. Abhishegam in Malayalam means to sanctify the deity, anoint the deity with milk or whatever. But this deity has to be anointed with vulgar language. Mm. So in that day, particular festival, the hundreds, thousands who gather, it will be the filthiest day over there. (laughs) Okay? So, I don't know. I don't know. Did I actually was worshipping that deity? I don't know. But that, (laughs) that was my language. That was my language. But I will tell you, the day I got saved, I didn't even realize I was saved. But I got saved. Something happened inside. Two days later, three days later, four days later, my friends started asking, what happened to you? And I had never witnessed to anyone. These are the classmates. They never, they asked me, what happened to you? I said, what happened to me? I said, you have changed. I said, I have changed. How I have changed? I said, your language has changed. And I didn't even know my language has changed. He said, you are not speaking filth anymore. It's just gone. And you see, 
I didn't even realize it. It had just gone. But they realized it. It was gone. Then I was thinking, why did it go? Then I realized, okay, maybe this is the reason it went. And then I told them, okay, four days back, five days back, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Okay, so in that same way, I would also say, just surrender your tongue to God and your mind and heart to God and say, Lord, I say this, this is the old me. And they say in English, old habits die hard. Mm. It is not true in the kingdom of God. It can go in. One day, one day, God can do it. So, Father, I pray, cleanse my tongue, take it away. And that becomes your witness. That actually becomes your witness. Yes. So, question number seven says, when Jesus knows the end from the beginning, can he not use the megaphone and pull out, pull us out of the pit that we fall in before we get into that pit? When he provides for the fish and birds and animals, why do we have to go on footstamps in America and get a check from the government and be called white trash? Grew up being called all kinds of names. Okay, Jesus, God knows the end from the beginning, but we also have free will. We have free will. That's what happened on the, this is, this, this is this something which is there only in Christianity. This incredible thing about free will because of who our God is. And if you had watched, uh, BBC, not watched, seen, I only read BBC online. Because you have to read both sides. A few weeks back, uh, BBC had an article which says the signs of saying that man does not have free will. Okay, so you have to realize how all this leftist agenda, liberal agenda, agenda is against Christianity and Judaism. And it's never against any other religion. Never against Islam. Never against Hinduism. Never against any of them. They will actually sell it. But it's always against Christianity first and then the Jews. Judaism, because they know the roots are the same and the God is the same. Mm-hmm. So God has given man the free will to choose from the first day. Because if there is no free will, then we are just animals. There's no meaning in anything that we do. All this stuff which we say about kindness and patience and love. What makes man, man? It's that part of God in us. God is love. That's why we love. No, have you ever seen two dogs sitting together and singing a song? No. You don't see these things with animals. You don't see some faint reflections will be there, but which is natural instincts, which is not of God. Or man was made in the image of God, and when man fell, he used his free will to fall. And from there all the troubles started. So some of you who are asking, you will see you are who you are because of your parents. Because of, of, of your parents. Okay. Of, of your parents. Now, I'm not condemning or anything. I love my father. I love my mother. They were righteous people. But uh, they did not know God. They got My father got saved only two days before he, got, before he died. But he was a righteous man. But you know, there was one issue he had. Later in his life, after I was born, my mother says, after I was born, he started drinking. And by the time he died, he became alcoholic. Alcoholic. And he had five children, and I'm the youngest. And all the children were in hostels, boarding schools and hostels. So it cost them a lot because he was a principal, mom was a teacher, so they invested in education. That's what he said. I want to invest in my kids' education. So he taught us all well, spent everything, sold his land, everything to educate us. But he also had this terrible habit called alcoholism. So the rest of the money went into that. Now think about it. Did my father's alcohol... Have it affected us as a family? Yes, it affected us. Did any of us children have any control over it? No. Did it affect us all? Yes. 
It affected us terribly as a family, that alcoholism. So we will accept it. Like in U.S., there are millions and millions of children growing up in single-parent homes or social welfare. But the fathers have gone away. Does it affect you? Of course it affects a nation. Why? Because of choices people have made. Choices have people have made. So people make choices. Whether you make a choice, like it's like gravity. Whether I jump, I break my leg. If a child falls accidentally, the child breaks his leg or dies. So it does not matter whether you do it knowingly or unknowingly. When you break a set law, the consequences follow. Mm. U.S. in from 1970 after Roe versus Wade till 2020, how many? 60 million kids or more you have aborted? Does it have consequences? Of course it has consequences. Spiritual consequences will come. Until you come to Christ, then it stops. If you really know how to stop it. It will, consequences will follow. It will follow. There are a lot of things which you do. And sometimes the consequences, let us say, only consequences will stop only spiritually, but physically it may not even stop. Let us say, I robbed a bank. And I got saved. <laughs> Does the law stop me? No. The law will pick me up. But I am saved. The judge says, go tell that to your God. Serve 10 years and come out. Does the law stop for me because I am saved? No. In the physical, it does not stop me. I serve my time. But spiritually, it has stopped for me. Eternally, I will never be punished for that. I am not punished for that. It's gone. Jesus has taken. But what can happen is that God can use me in prison. In prison and bring others to the Lord. So you have to understand these two sides of it. So what has happened is so many people are paying the price for their parents' sins. And God has said that. You, you will. And we know. All of us know. A father makes a mistake, a mother makes even a career choice. It can affect. <laughs> it can affect a career choice. Like a lot of people will look at Pastor Vijay and look at me and said, Oh, you made a career. They don't look at the religious, spiritual part of it. When they are not religious or spiritual, they say, what kind of a terrible career choice have you made? What can ministry pay you? Like, technically, we both of us should be teaching in universities, because that's what we are qualified for. And if you're teaching in a university, then our pay packet goes through the roof. We are settled for life. In India, a university prof retires only at 62 and gets his pension till he dies. Now, they will took a look at us and say, you are such foolish guys to leave something like that. Get into a ministry where you live by faith. And they will say, you know, your children will suffer because of that. Because you could have made qualitative choices for your children if you have really, really remained in this secular realm. But we look at the other way. The choices we made are, are spiritual and the world will never understand it. And the choices we make of our children are spiritually qualitative children, which money can never buy. We will leave for them an inheritance which no career can love. We will leave a spiritual inheritance for them. Now you look at um, Naomi Zacharias' eology. What did he leave her? A spiritual heritage. A spiritual heritage, her father left her, a spiritual heritage. Now, he could also have gone into the secular realm and become a professor, said no to the call of God. What would have left her? A secular heritage. Okay, So you have to look at it and you have to see that that. So your real life of freedom begins the day you come to God. And from there, you have to ask God. 
you're only saved. You have to grow in your salvation. And you have to say, Lord, bring me out. Bring me out of it. Because you said, oh, no man, anything. Oh, no man, anything. Bring me out of this debt, Lord. You make a way. And you should be ready to work hard. <laughs> whatever comes, whatever it comes your way, you should be willing to work hard and say, Lord, you pull me out. I will be out. There are two parts, your part and God's part. And you should be ready. And I believe he will, even in during the midst of the pandemic and all, he will open doors for you. And you should be able to, because if, of all places in America, that's the land of dreams and nightmares. Hallelujah. Okay, both, either, because you leave from paycheck to paycheck, but it's a land of the maximum number of billionaires too, if you want to put success in the world terms. So you don't have to live off food stamps, food stamps. That's one nation. One nation, you can make money <laughs> once this lockdown is over. If you're willing to fight, and then don't worry about what the world called you. Mm. You are not that. You're not a white trash. You're God's children. And you grew up, uh, grew up um, calling all kinds of names. Yeah, I also grew up calling all kind of names. So I was one Indian boy in a school full of of the children of the Mongolian race. So I'm one brown, brown boy with hairy arms. With 500,000, 600 kids who don't even have to even shave when they are adults because nothing grows. So what do they call me? They call me a monkey. A bear. I grew up with those names. I wasn't bothered. So then suddenly when I'm in class 7, my father six. Half of academic year, my father drops me into Kerala, my own state, puts me in school. And I thought I had escaped that here. They have changed completely else. They find that I'm from that country and I am the, the, the sport of that country is bow and arrow. So they called me a tribal in my own country among my own people. <laughs> so they call me a tribal. So every time when they come, I come into the classroom, they'll always ask me, did you keep your bow and arrow outside? So you can't escape these things. Does it bother me? Did it bother you when you were young? Yes. But does it bother you at all? No. no. Once you come to Christ, all those things change. You have a different identity. Yes. And it does not matter at all. Who are you today? Child of God. God. And what title do I have now? The highest you can get. Servant of God. You can't get a higher title than that on planet Earth. So, believe God. Trust God. He will give you a breakthrough and be willing to work. Because read the gospel according to John, what God's Jesus says, I and my father are at work from the beginning and are still at work. 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 Amen. Okay. Hard work always pays. So Pastor, we'll go to question number 11 because it's on the same thing. 11. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. So he says, are we forgiven for all the abortions? Will we have consequences for our sin? And what will be the consequences? Do we have to constantly repent for the sins of the past once we have been, once we have repented? Still struggle with anger towards men. Okay. Now for all my dear sisters, okay, I think you are from US. All of you children, let me tell you something. Uh, when you repent and turn to God and when you are forgiven, you are not forgiven for specific sins. You are forgiven for your entire life. Hallelujah. None of us know what all things we have done. How would we know what is wrong until we know what is right? Everything. Your entire sin nature is taken over. 
and God imputes his righteousness into you. So it is not about abortion. It is about everything. Everything you ever did, you are forgiven. Will you have consequences for your sin? Depends. It depends. Like, no. Abortions, it's overdone with your babies are safe. I personally believe all babies are safe with God, so you don't have to worry about those children. But uh, it stops with Jesus. I think it was your president, Eisenhower, who put that plaque on his table. The buck stops here. So remember, it stops with Jesus. Learn to live new every day. These things will come back to you only if you go back to your old life. In the rural areas, this is how I teach them. Okay, I will borrow an umbrella from one of the sisters and I will hold the umbrella up and stand. And I say, if it is raining, do I get wet? They say, no. I said, if I put my hand out, does my hand get wet? They say, yes. I said, why does my hand get wet? It's because I put my hand out of the umbrella. If you stay in Jesus, you are safe. Hmm. That's why Jesus said, for our own protection, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Hmm. When you do that, you are in Christ Jesus. The buck stops with him. When you step out of him, you give the devil a chance. That's why scripture says, if you break the hedge, the snake bites you. Mm. But God will protect you. God will protect you. Because you, we are learning. Like we are overprotective about our little children. Please remember, God is a father. We learn it from God. And you are protected. But uh, other consequences is this. The, the, the consequences is this. Let me Let me explain to you in terms of physical consequences. Let's say uh, you were simplest example I can think about. You stole a parcel from the US Postal Service and because it's federal government, you're caught, you're punished, you're out. But now, it doesn't matter you are saved or you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll never get a federal job. That's your law. So is the consequences following you? Yes, it's following you. It's following you. Okay, so what happens is that some of you, if you have children, because some of you are older people also, if you have children, you got saved now, but you already had children and they are mad and angry with you. Can you change them? No. Will you go the, go, now that you are a believing parent, will you go through the grief of seeing the rebellion of your children? Yes. Can you stop it? No until they encounter God. That's what David goes through. Everything David goes through is because of his sin against God with Bathsheba. And God said, the sword shall not depart from your home. (laughs) Shall not depart from your home. That's the consequences you will face. Is he forgiven? Yes. Will he pay any price for that? No. But will he pay a price as a father? Yes. But that will only sanctify him and draw him closer to God and become the sweet psalmist of Israel. Out of that, so many songs will be sung for hundreds, literally thousands of years and comfort. Out of that pain will come trace. So that's that's how you look at it. So you don't have to constantly repent for the same sins, no. But the Holy Spirit may bring to your remembrance certain things from your past and allow you to confess and reject it so that it does not oppress you. <coughs> These are what we call strongholds. 
to be broken in your mind. Now, it does not mean that you were not forgiven of it, but these are strongholds that need to be broken so that you will experience more and more and more liberty in your life. That's how I would. And even your struggle with anger towards men, take this all to God. That is where we are preaching on the Holy Spirit. The one who will help you through this is the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it on your own. You have to do it with the Spirit. What you can do is open your mouth and confess, Lord, I choose in Christ Jesus to forgive all the men who have used me and abused me. I choose to forgive. Every time the feeling comes, open your mouth and confess and you will realize. Because you are doing what God has asked you to do. He will do what you cannot do. He will get into your heart and your mind and take it away. And one day you will realize you have no anger towards men. And actually you feel sorry for them. Because you realize they were also slaves of their lust. Slaves of their lust. And you feel sorry. And you actually start praying for them. And you will realize what the devil meant for harm. God turned it for. That's what Joseph does. He's got no anger against his brothers. Who was personally responsible for 13 years of incarceration. To use US terms. In chains. In 2000, 4000, 5000 years ago in a Egyptian dungeon. He spent... The best years of his life. When do we say the best years of your life? Your teenage and twenties, right? He went in as a slave at 17, came out at 30. We in our normal says that is the best years of a man's life. He was incarcerated. Hmm. Okay. But you know what? He forgave his brothers and he did good to them. And God took it all out of his heart. And he was loving and kind and he brought his brothers to the Lord. So that's how you look at it. And even the best is always ahead. And the best is always. Because age does not matter. Once you are in the Lord, age does not matter. Every day is going to be better than the previous day when you are with God. And then eternity will be a blast. A real blast. We'll take question number four. Because it's on the same theme. And by the way, I love your questions because a lot of people write back saying they love it because when I preach, they have to take and get the interpretation and apply it to their specific situations. But a lot of people say when you have a Q&A, their questions are answered. Their own personal struggles. So one person, remember, even your one question is a blessing to so many others who say that, oh, I had that same issue and I never voiced it. I got my answer. Okay? Yes. Question number four will say, Dear Pastor, I want to love others the way Bible says, but I don't feel in my heart that that I that I, that I love others to that extent. Mm-hmm. When I sense even a bit of envy in my heart, I feel so suffocated. I end up crying before God, saying He knows that I don't want envy, pride, uh, any of these any of these things, mm-hmm. anger, any of these things. But even after prayers, why I don't feel changes in my heart? I want to have the kind of love Bible talks about in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, but I don't think that I have that kind of love in me. Is it interesting that you okay? Speak, and speak? Uh, my child, <laughs> I hope you are listening. Amen. Okay, this is a child who got saved kind of recently last year. Right now, she's in a COVID quarantine camp in one of the states of India, and from there, she's listening. <laughs> Okay, so sweetheart, I'm so happy for your question. First thing I will say is that, please remain sensitive like that. Don't lose it. Hallelujah. Mm. One of the things that happens to God's children is that as they grow, they lose their sensitivity to the Spirit of God. And that's what the Church of Ephesus lost. And he said, go back to your first love. Do you know how you cried when you fell? 
how you have wept before me. Now, there's no remorse. Everything is fine. Church is going good. Doctrinally, you are sound. You are checking out everything. But you know what? That sensitivity has gone. And when I saw your question, I was saying to the Lord, Lord, let this child cry before you like that. This is the way it should be. And let it be that way all your life. No, that was how David began. And then when the Bethsaida incident took he became so hard-hearted and callous. That's from where you have this term, callous in English. Callous is this. Here, not for everybody, but those people who have used implements to make life easier, like cutting wood, chopping wood, all those things, things all I did with an axe and all. So we have calluses here. What happens? You lose sensitivity there. But the, the worst thing to happen for a believer is to lose. Don't worry about that, Sammy. We don't need light on the subject. We are fine. Okay. People want to hear the answers, not look at our faces. Okay. So don't bother. So we should not never get calloused mm. in our conscience, in our inner man. Tender. This child is very, very tender. Mm. He knows I don't want to feel envy, pride, anger. But let me also answer to you this way. Very common phrase we always use in our messages. You cannot stop a bird from flying over your head. But if it builds a nest in your hair, Sammy, be careful. It's very easy to build a nest in your hair, okay? <laughs> okay. Build a nest in your hair, then you are responsible for that. Meaning, these feelings will come. Those are temptations. Amen. Don't internalize it and make it your own. Don't make it your own. When these things comes, you cannot stop it. It will come. The devil will tempt you with everything. Mm. And the answer to that is, the Holy Spirit by the Spirit, put to death the works of the flesh. Cry out immediately to the Holy Spirit and says, Lord, I reject it. But the best thing to do it is this. I will tell you, this is how you give it back to, to the devil. When you feel jealous about somebody, open your mouth and pray for that person and say, Lord, bless that person even more. <laughs> After that, the devil will leave you alone. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is not a work. That's why scripture says he left Jesus alone for a season. Hmm. It's, it's dangerous to dangerous to tempt him. It does not work my way. It works the other way. So that's how you do. When you get pride coming in, you say, go open your mouth and say before God, Lord, I'm confessing it in my mouth, with my head and make it real. I'm nothing. Okay. These are confessions Paul will constantly make in his life. Worst of, least of apostles. Least of saints. Least of saints. Chief. Worst of chief, chief of sinners. Okay, he says, it's not true. It is not true. This is what I am. That's how you do it. And then keep asking God. Okay, you, Nobody becomes anything in one day. This is a process. Keep asking Lord, flood my heart with your love. Keep, Lord, loving through me. Loving through me. Otherwise, none of us have it. None of us have it. God has to give it. Yes, Pastor Jay. So, again, this is connected with life, Pastor. So, uh, I think we should tackle a few questions on fasting. Of fasting. Okay. So this is question number three on fasting. Mm-hmm. Pastor, I want to f- do fasting to get rid of the I in me mm-hmm. and for salvation of my unbelieving parents. Could you tell me how to fast? I'm confused. Centuries before people used to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Are there, are there people nowadays who can eat nothing for 40 days and 40 nights completely? Till now I heard about the following ways of fasting. 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days. The second one, 40 days, eat at night. Day and night, 24 hours, weekly ones. Please suggest. Okay. 
Hallelujah. And there's another one also there at the beginning. So this is again uh, the questions regarding fasting. So when I fast, I get hungry. Yet when I was a Muslim, I fasted for Ramzan. I could fast with no problem, never hungry. Now I face this challenge. Do you think it's a demonic attack? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, the fasting was, uh, when you were not a Christian, your fasting was different. And your fasting now is a spiritual weapon. Therefore, it is not the same. Now, well, the second question was question number three. First three, first. okay. This is uh, young man, let me tell you um, about fasting. Okay, this is a completely different. Uh, we don't have uh, mantras <laughs> in the new life. Okay, forty days, twenty-one days, seven days, three days. This is the pattern we see in the Bible. Okay, mm-hmm. so we don't follow any particular pattern because if you follow a particular pattern, you will believe the power is in the pattern. Power is in the pattern. Okay, that is what happens in the entire Catholicism. Symbolism, the power is in it. Mm. While God has given it as a symbol, they have put the power into that symbol. So suddenly you are putting your trust in something that is apart from God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you fast for 40 days, that means you can twist God's sovereign will. No way. No. no. So it is always got to do in the new covenant with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Okay. Leading of the Holy Spirit. And you have to hear from the Holy Let him tell you whether you need to fast. The primary purpose of fasting is one, the Bible says, it's a humbling of your soul, of yourself, of your soul. You're humbling before. Second thing, important thing is that the one that gets into, messes up is our flesh. And the flesh resides in the body. Resides in the body. And the problem with the flesh is that, and the body is that, when the body is full, the flesh is also full. Mm-hmm. One of the ways to weaken the flesh is by starving the body. That's why the first day of fasting, and it's really, really terrible. Most people who decide to fast break it on the first day. By the end of the first day, fasting is changed because the body will revolt and you'll say, no, you can eat, no? So, so, like when you said about it, they say you can live 40 days without solid food, eight days, three days or seven days without Water? Three days? Yeah. Yeah. Three days without water? Eight days? I don't know. Yeah. Three days something without water? Not even a minute without hope. Mm. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) When hope is gone, everything Everything is gone. gone. Yes. Hope is gone. Everything on. That's why we have a living hope. So when it comes to fasting, I will tell you and connect it with your eye. You will never get rid of your eye by fasting. I is something you will have to tackle till Jesus comes. If I could be tackled with fasting, then you don't have to pick up your cross daily. Mm-hmm. Because pick up your cross is denying I. Mm. Denying I. So fasting is not going to take. It can help you in denying I for certain seasons when I is very strong. Okay. But I is something you will have to handle every day of your life. But it can get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and maybe a day will come like Paul and all. It disappears completely where you will say, I no longer live, yet I live. Okay, so I is there and fasting is one of the tools to handle I, but by fasting you cannot get rid of it. Then salvation for my unbelieving friends. You have to keep praying. In certain seasons, the Holy Spirit will tell you to fast for them. But let me tell you, this is something which you need to realize. Go to the promises of God. Believe in the promises of God. 
But when it comes to the salvation of somebody else, there is no watertight 100% promise. Because God will not subvert somebody else's will. Free will, yes. But your fasting and your prayer, I mean, if you, if the Spirit of God tells you to fast and your prayer, everything, God may do everything possible to remove every block from them believing. And still they have to believe. Still have to believe. There's no guarantee they will believe. But you can make it very, 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 very easy for them to believe. Easy for them to believe. And when it comes to family, especially parents, you no know, siblings and all, the biggest powerful witness is your life. Because unlike anybody else, they know you. They know you who you were before being saved. And they know you who you are because of salvation. That's where you have to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, please keep changing me in the image of your son so they have no answer. No answer. That's your testimony is your witness with your family. And sometimes children really, really mess up their testimonies after salvation. And what is it? It's also because they do not realize once you are saved, you are under attack. You are under attack. So the church has to prepare people. You know, once you are saved, the devil is going to come after you. Earlier he didn't, he kind of left you alone with your pet sins because he wasn't bothered. You were his. But now that you are saved, he's going to come after you. Once you're baptized, he comes after you with double the strength. Once you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, he won't leave you. So you have to realize this will not go. And you have to be prepared. That's why scripture says, put on the full armor of God and be covered with the power and might of God because you're fighting powers of darkness. Okay, but what what does is that I always tell young people because I, I I meet a lot of youth in the nations where I go and I tell them you know what are the, I'm telling you I said one of the complaints that I hear from your families your parents and all is that the thing is that you say you are always escaping the chores in the home saying you're going for Bible study you're going for fasting you're going for prayer that that's a very bad testimony very very bad testimony. Very bad testimony. I said, there's no record of Jesus doing anything before the age of 30. Yet when he came out, Father said, I'm well pleased with him. I said, you have a responsibility in your home when you are a child. You have a God-given responsibility in your home. And that's part of you. You cannot, there's no division between the secular and the sacred in a believer's life. Everything is sacred. Meaning your simple chores in your house is a sacred duty unto God. That's why Jesus could boldly say, come and see. Come and see. And he says, that is where your testimony matters. And when your father and your mother, I tell the young girls attend in my youth meetings, I tell when your mother sees after you got saved, you are different. You are there in the kitchen. You are studying well. You are going to school. Everything has changed about you. And also you are helping your mother out. Say, no mama, leave it alone. I will wash it all up. And he says, if you are a boy. And I will ask them straight away, does your father have a bike? Yes. Have you ever washed your father's bike? No. Why? Why not? Why have you never washed your father's bike? This is the first thing you should have done. Your father should be surprised. And he says, Daddy, don't worry. Every week it's my job. I'll do it. I'll water the plants. I will do all this. What has happened? The life of Christ has come into you. And when they see that, they will know, okay? They see that, they will realize. After some time, they will be, they'll be mad you changed your religion. But after some time, they will realize, you know what? Your religion has only made you a better person. Mm. There's something different about you, oh God. 
different about your God. And this is personal testimonies. These are real testimonies. And if you don't have that testimony, then your homes, it does not work. It does not work. Now, Daniel had a testimony. And all his enemies went after everything and searched him. We can't get him on anything. He's got a fantastic testimony. Let's get him on, on one thing. That is, that his prayer life. So let's make a law to stop him from praying. Okay? So, when these things, because whatever relationship you have as a son, as a father, as a, as a husband, you know, we have this family relationship, daughter, sister, this thing. At the end of the day, nobody should be able to say that you did me harm. You were a lazy fellow after you became a Christian. They should always be able to say that after you became Christian, you really changed. That's why Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. Mm. You shall be my witnesses. And we always forget it's in our witnessing, witnessing that one of the counseling, I give it to people who go through the most painful of everything in relationships is when you go through your divorce. You come through your divorce. You're going through your divorce. So you can come even through your divorce without guilt that you did right by your spouse and not wrong. You can walk out without guilt because the other person chooses to leave and will not accept no for an answer. That's the most intimate of all relationships on planet Earth God has ordained. Even from there, you can come without scars, without wounds. And if you have done wrong, you need to ask for forgiveness. You're not changing your mind. You're planning to leave. But every area I have gone wrong, I seek your forgiveness. I seek your forgiveness. I'm sorry for that. I'm not saying you're coming back or you need to come back. I'm not saying any of that. I want to keep my plate clean before God and with man. You know, this is the power of the cross. Because what happens on the cross is the power of forgiveness. What is happening actually on the cross is Father, forgive them. And Father forgives everybody. 40 days later, 50 days later, 3,000 people, many of them who must have been in that crowd baying for his blood, are saved. This is the power of forgiveness. Christianity is the only religion which is entirely based on forgiveness. Entirely based on forgiveness. And that's how you come through this. And you will realize you have a very powerful testimony. Children go and ask forgiveness from their parents. They apologize. They do that stuff. And parents will say, what happened to you? And it is consistent. It is consistent. It is consistent. You obey your parents. And where you cannot obey, you disobey. But you honor. You honor. You honor them. You don't have to obey, which goes against God. Which goes against God. Till today, I got this thing. What do I do? Tomorrow there is puja. So this is what you do. I'll let you know what to do. Of course. Don't have to obey. Are you a believer? Yes. Are you baptized? Yes. Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. You're not going to do any puja. You're not going to do Your religion tell you to honor your father and mother? Yes. I'm honoring you. Sorry, ma. Sorry, dad. Politely, respectfully honor them. But I obey God. When it comes, there is a split between your parent and God. I go with God and I will honor you. But I cannot obey you there. The same God who says, honor authorities, all these things. The same God's three servants who said, mighty king, we honor you. But we cannot obey you in this. 
and you have the power over life and death of our bodies. You want to kill us, you can kill us. That's your right. We accept that, but we will not bow. So that's how you handle these situations. Okay, young man, so listen to God and he will tell you how to pray, when to pray. And just don't think 40 days you pray and fast, they will change. And then when they don't change, you get depressed, you get discouraged. No, Christianity is not a set of mantras. It does not work like that. George Muller, by the way, prayed for a couple of his friends for 42 years and they got saved after he died. Hmm. 42 years, if I'm right. And he never saw their salvation when he was alive. But after he died, they both got saved. Salvation is for the unbelieving family is one of the most yeah painful things. But it does happen. Yes. Well, question number five, Pastor. So this is again related to the gospel. So let's yes. tackle this. It says, we hear news daily of Indian soldiers being killed in action while encountering terrorists. And those soldiers are not even Christian or probably they have never heard about the gospel at all. So my question to you is, where do all these soldiers go after death? Do they get eternal life for making the supreme sacrifice for their country? And if not, do they go to hell for not knowing about Jesus as the ultimate savior of their souls. Okay, you put it in a very small context. What about the doctors and the nurses who died of COVID-19? Where in their soldiers too? They were put under essential services. Many of them had to go. Many of them died. So, every job, okay, Javan, soldier of course, in so many ways it is different. But if somebody died because of a supreme sacrifice for a nation or for a cause and went to heaven, then he's going to heaven because of his works. That means one particular work you did cancels all your sins away. So now we are going into karma and not into salvation. Mm. It simply doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. With a righteous God, it's a simple premise of law. It simply doesn't work like that. We know it doesn't work in our courts. In no court system. It does not work like that. And uh, we, we, we honor them, we respect them, but eternity is a different ball game altogether. Mm. It's a completely different ball game together. So what do you, what do you say, what do you, what do I say you need to do? Pray for them. If your heart is for the soldiers, pray for them. Lord, make a way. It is difficult now. Difficult now. But uh, after the system has changed, old days it was easier even to witness to soldiers. Soldiers could witness to soldiers. Now it's very difficult in India. But uh, God can make a way. Pray for the soldiers. Pray, say, Lord, let everyone. That's our job, to pray. How God will do it, we do not know. But it doesn't matter how you die. Salvation comes only through Jesus. It's only one way. It's only one name. It's no other way. Question number nine is, is, says, we want, we want to know why we seem to get lost when it comes to the Old Testament. It is kind of difficult to read the King James Version. Okay. I would first tell you, you're all new believers, young believers. Don't read the Old Testament. Know the New Testament well. Yeah. Because that's grace. That's grace. 
that truth. We are new covenant people. First, read your new covenant. I'm not saying don't read the Old Testament. I'm saying don't study the Old Testament. Because when you study the Old Testament, you get a framework of the law into your head. We are not under the law. We are under grace. Once you have understood this, the sacrifice of Christ and the what it is to be born again of the Spirit and the new life is the life of the Spirit. After you get it and experience it and grow in it, you go back and read the Old Covenant. It becomes life. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'll get trapped. You'll get trapped in the Old Covenant. Because I came from the Old Covenant and then I put the Old Covenant away completely. I came to the Old Covenant before I got saved because I studied in an Adventist school where they never taught the Old New Testament. It was always Old Testament. Old Testament. Okay, so I had a good, and then their favorite uh, prophet was always Moses. Okay, so, but when I came to the Lord, I didn't touch the Old Testament at all for years. I just majored in the New Covenant. And then understood what grace is, what the new life is. Then you go to the Old Covenant, it doesn't bother you. It does. Otherwise, a lot of people get bothered by the New Covenant, Old Covenant. They get really, really bothered by all the death that happens in the book of Joshua and all the commandments of God. They get really, really pitted because they are not able to understand what is happening over here. The kind of stuff that is happening, Tamar and Reha, all this stuff upsets them because they are not able to see these are just types. Old Testament is, the Spirit of God is not given. So it's a different dispensation altogether. And how we read that and how we learn from that is completely different. And then the weight of it comes upon you and you find, you know, I cannot even breathe. Who can live like this? But on the other hand, when you come to the new covenant and understand it is, it's a life of liberty. You are freed of your sin nature. Old man is there, but the new man is there. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit one day at a time. When he shows, repent immediately, confess. It's a life of liberty to liberty to liberty to liberty. Old covenant it is not. It is the wait and wait and wait and wait, 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 wait. That's why God used a man who was under the law, miserable, perfect according, blameless according to the law to write the new covenant. So he would understand what it is the other and what is this. Peter and John couldn't have written the letters because they did not know the weight of the law. They were not Pharisees. Paul was somebody who knew the weight of the law. And he knows what is the liberty to walk under grace. So God used him to write grace. Peter couldn't have never written those letters. I mean, I'm not saying that he could not have, but if you look at it humanly, he couldn't have written it so well. Paul had to be the one to write because he was a man of the law, under the law. The weight of the law was on his shoulders. And what really, really is freedom to walk in grace, walk in spirit, and understand what truth is. And that without condemnation. That's how you look at it. And he King had James, a zeal, zeal also for the yeah, real God. For the real, the real thing. God. The only thing is the zeal was there. And he shifted his zeal. And the only thing is that don't read KJV. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't read KJV. Read, read NKJV. Or even one of the simpler translations. As you grow, you can change your translation to tougher ones. Like I grew up on good news. NIV. NIV has deleted, omitted a lot of stuff. So uh, unless you really know... Your Bible, don't use NIV. New people, I don't recommend NIV because a lot of places they have changed, they have omitted, they have edited, they have uses the Jehoiakim scissors on NIV. There's a, a group of Jehoiakims who edited NIV. <laughs> now, I hope they don't get a donkey's burial, but that's what they did. So, use NKJV, NLT and all, okay? And then, when you become a real student of the Bible, you will always... Go back to KJV when you have doubts. 
Yes, Pastor Vijay. So we'll look at the last question for the day, Pastor. So it's. Uh, oh no, we have to explain ICS 61. They were all, that is my children. Please. Yeah. So we'll ICS take, 61. Please explain ICS 61 to us. Can you just put up Isaac 61 if you don't mind? When you young believers go to ICS 61 and all, then we have to give them that credit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We are reading from Isaiah 61, 1 onwards. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, of oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. We'll just look at three verses and four onwards. It's a different, different concept, but we can put it together spiritually how it applies to us. Verses one to three, remember this is exactly what Jesus spoke the first time when he came to his own synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth. Mm. This is what he opened up and he said, it is fulfilled in your days. So this is a prophetic picture of what Jesus would do in the new covenant. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Okay, So this is actually the prophetic picture of the gospel. Verse 4 onwards is what will happen actually during the millennium reign. Uh, reign of Jesus Christ for a thousand years and in so many ways it's specific to Israel. The new Israel that will believe in Jesus Christ. When they see him coming, then the remnant who is getting saved, it is they who will, he will rule over them also from Jerusalem and all those things that is talked specifically applies to them. The saints of course are in their raptured bodies and all that. So they are a different, the Jews who are saved are in their physical bodies so four onwards is talking to them and how, but how do we apply to them? Now here is where Jesus is talking about one to three. He's talking about the new covenant. And this is exactly what, yeah, if you go to verse one onwards, this is exactly what he does. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And that's the gospel which sets us free. Mm. Sets us free. But you will see there is a difference between what he spoke on that day and one line is, one part of one line, if you go to verse 3, is missing. He does not say that in the new covenant. He does not, yeah, verse 2, sorry, verse 2. The day of the vengeance of our God, Mm -hmm. that he does not say. That is connected with his second coming. Second coming is the day of the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. Who is that? For Israel. He will comfort them. We don't need comfort. The church is gone anyway. Church is gone anyway. But Israel, who, who they were remnant, that against whom the Antichrist and everybody will turn against them, and they will believe in him. They will see him whom they pierced. And they will turn to him. And he will comfort them. The second coming is comfort to them. 
physically. Okay. But let me explain to you what it means. Can we read it? The year of the Lord's, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the concept about Jubilee. Israel was given the law. Israel was given the law. The law was very, very fair. But, you know, the law is fair. But you can mess up under the law. Even under secular law, you can really, really mess up. One of the things that happened under the law is that, let us say, I am, I messed up in my business. I goofed up. I lost everything. Now I sell my property. Sell my property. Still, I cannot pay off my loans, my debts, everything. I sell my children for bonded labor. Mm. All allowed under the law. I sell myself. Okay. And still it is not repaid. This is something that happened on the 50th year. 50 year cycle of Israel. 50th year of Israel that happened. It happened on the 10th month of the 50th year. On the 7th day. That is the day of atonement. You can read the whole thing in the book of Leviticus chapter 23. On that day after the atonement was over, they say, this is how it really happens. Atonement is over and high priest comes and declares everybody is innocent. The shofar is is blown. The shofar is blown. From hill to hill to hill to hill to hill, they will pick up and start blowing their shofar. And imagine I am that person who sold myself, my children, everything. That day when I hear the sofa flow, I drop everything. I am free. I am free. I go back to my land. Mm -hmm. The land is mine again. I go back to my old house. It's mine again. My children are mine. My family is mine. My land is mine. Everything is mine. This is the year of the Lord's favor. That is a jubilee. He uses that as a symbol that when Christ Jesus comes, we are set free from the bondage of sin and from the devil. You are free. That's why they had to observe it in the physical so that we would experience it in the spiritual. You are free. You no longer have to serve your old master. You don't have to serve sin. You don't have to serve Satan. You don't have to save your flesh. You are free. To serve God and God alone. And that was the law. He had to be allowed to go free. Everything had to be returned. So 50 years is the cycle. So when Jesus came, 4,000 divided by 50, 80 jubilees had gone of human creation, right? Right? 80 jubilees. Now his second coming is coming another 2,000 years. 40 jubilees are going to finish. Okay, so when 40 plus 80, 120 jubilees are over, is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the land shall have rest. Physically and spiritually, it will have rest. There will be no slaves on earth. Satan's reign is over. Christ Jesus shall rule for a thousand years from Jerusalem. Then after 7,000 are over, Everything is burned up. All those who rebelled are also destroyed. And the new beginning, eight is the new beginning of eternity begins. A new creation, we, new creation, new heavens, new earth, new city. Everything is new again. So that's how you read it. And that's what Isaiah 61 is all about. You have been set free. 
You are poor. You have been set free. You were broken hearted. You are set free. You went through all your misery. But if you really, really understand what salvation is, you are free. Your past doesn't look at this. Look at this. He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Let us say you are one of the sisters who came off the street. 15 years, 20 years. He says you are free. Free. You believe me? He says, you believe me? You are absolutely free. And I will heal all your wounds. Not a scar will be left in your soul. Because the wound is in the soul. It's not in the body. It's in the soul. Mm. I will heal you completely. And the prison is, the prison, your soul, you say you are still angry, one of you wrote. You are still bound. Anger binds you. Mm. It binds you. You are, a, you are an, you are a captive to that feeling. Hatred, anger, bitterness. God says you are free. I have the opening of the prison to those who are bound. You are free. You don't have to. Whom the sun sets free, yes. is free. The truth will set you free. The sun will set you free. The spirit will set you free. And that's where you allow these three things. The work of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross. The word of God has truth to tell you this is actually what has happened. And allow the Holy Spirit to have lordship and allow it to happen. And scripture says where the spirit is lord, you have liberty. Your past is actually not real. Mm-hmm. It is not real. Unless you want to believe what the devil says. Let's go back to Second Corinthians 5.17. You have to believe what God says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have passed away. Now, let me tell you, in the last year, 2019, few people, African Americans, few people, who were incarcerated for so many years, President Trump gave them a presidential pardon. And they were freed. Let me tell you, when they are freed, it does not matter now what media says what. They are free. You cannot take them back into prison. Not only that, when you get a presidential pardon, your record is impinged. It's not there in the system anymore. You can say whatever. Let me find out whether you are show your fingerprint, you check in the system, it's blank. There's nothing there. It's gone. It's gone. So this is what God is saying. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, in the system in heaven, there's nothing. Bible says there are books and everything is written in the books. But your book and my book is taken blank, 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 nothing. The one who is not saved, everything is there. Our books, wiped with the blood of Jesus. Wiped, wiped, wiped. It is not there at all. That's what the Bible is talking about. So you don't have to. This is the reality of salvation. You don't have to worry about what people say. What people, It's not true. What is true is what God says. And God says your past is not there. It's gone. It's gone. You are not what they say. Like some of you wrote, you were not a hooker. You were a hooker. You are not a hooker. Who told you you are a hooker? Did God say? Did God call you a hooker? He didn't call you a hooker. What he says is true. He didn't call you a hooker. He called you my child. He didn't call you. He said, my child. That's what is true. Therefore, it does not matter what. You know, just think about what I said two minutes back. The order comes to the prison. And he's got the presidential pardon. Now, does it matter what any judge in the country says? No. Can they stop you from walking out? No. No, you are a criminal. You committed these many things. You lied. You stole. You murdered. 
handwriting of ordinances <laughs> handwriting is here sealed with the presidential seal he says i am free nobody can question it because he is at the top of the executive he is a president of the united states of this thing or in india also presidential pardon you can get and you can be free right you got it now who is the one at the top it's god sovereign and god says you're free there's no record against you in heaven so simple old tricks we always tell you is the one who brings condemnation either into your mind or through people is the devil so if the devil talks to you about your past tell him about What his future <laughs> okay a simple thing it works okay when he talks to you about your past you said i know my past it is in christ clean and i know my future i am there with him i know your future too in that incredible lake of fire have a good time hallelujah <laughs> okay. have a good time okay but this is what martin luther did he had a dream and in the dream satan came to him and showed him one page full of his sins he said only one page he says no two pages he said only two pages no three pages so only three pages no he showed him his entire life in sins and he said that's all and the devil said that's all he took that and wrote cancelled by jesus and said you can go he had a dream so he said that cancelled by the blood of jesus okay he had another dream or whatever it was he was sitting and doing his studies and he says there was a knock on his door and the door opened it was the devil so he took his import and threw it at him you got no business coming here <laughs> so devil has never stopped his tricks okay so even mighty men who started reformation also had to fight this battle so all of us will fight our battles but you know why we can be sure because you have a difference between two terms in english one is called the war the other is called the battles when the second world war was over and uh, the Nazi forces uh, signed their surrender here and a few months later in that ship uh, they signed the surrender to Japan signed the surrender yet there were so many japanese soldiers in little little islands who had never heard the report that the war was over so they were still fighting the battles the war was over <laughs> but they were fighting the battle in the same way the war is over in heaven there's no more battle jesus is one it's over but we have to fight our battles why so that we can share in his victory we are not fighting the battle no we are not fighting the war that's over he has been defeated now god says i want a joy to see every child of mine kick the devil's posterior being using a nice word okay <laughs> kick his posterior i want to see it that's what joshua did remember the 10 kings 12 kings were brought out he said all of you come before we hang this them up i want you to all feel how it feels like right it is god who defeated them he rained hailstone and fire and everything from and he defeated them. not israel it was god who defeated those enemies but he says come over here every one of your leaders come over here put your feet on their neck how does it feel it feels cool right yeah that's exactly what god wants to say he says you know what for 4000 years this fellow messed up with my creation my people and i want to see even the littlest saint overcome him i want you to see that he is nothing he is nobody you can defeat him i gave you that's what jesus said i give you power over all the power of the enemy 
you shall trample upon snakes and scorpions and they shall by no means harm you. And that's why the first sign of the new covenant is you shall cast out demons. demons. Never happened in the Old Testament. Begins in the New Testament. Amen. Amen. We shall close. So all my children and all my brothers and children are the new ones. Okay. All my brothers and sisters. Uh, I hope we answered some of your questions and tomorrow Sunday. We'll be back at 9.30. Shall we look to... And by the way, to Monday onwards, we are back at 9 a.m. Okay, Romba, Monday onwards. Service is not at 9.30, it's at 9 a.m. Shall we pray? Father, we just come to you, Lord, for your incredible love and kindness and mercy towards us, O oh Lord. Who are we, O oh Lord, that you are mindful of us? Like grass here, withers, you just go away. But you have loved us, Lord every tribe, every language, every race. You are saving people left and right. In the palaces, you are saving them. On the streets, you are saving them. And all are saved, being saved by one name and name alone, the name of Jesus. By the work of Jesus alone. And you are making us all into one nation, one holy nation under God. Mm-hmm. One holy nation with one name. And I commit everyone into thy hands, O Lord. And I especially pray for the new ones, O Lord, that they will walk in faith, they will walk in grace, they will put their trust in you. Day by day, they will grow in you. They will experience the incredible freedom and liberty which only the Holy Spirit can give them. When the Holy Spirit convicts them, Lord, they will be quick to repent, confess it out, And believe the blood of Jesus is cleansing them. And they will only grow from glory to glory. From strength to strength, O Lord. I pray, Father, that you would put a hedge around all these new ones, O Lord. That the devil will not touch them, their minds. The spirit of condemnation will not come upon them. And they will walk in liberty, Lord. And I pray for these new ones, especially these dear children who have come off the streets. Their struggle is different, Lord. They have very low self-esteem. Because of the names they have been called, O oh Father. But I pray, Father, today, even as we pray, the Spirit of God will heal their wounds, O oh Lord. You came to heal the brokenhearted. And I pray, Father, now, the balm of Gilead will flow. The Holy Spirit will flow. You will heal their inner man and make them whole, O oh Lord. That they will not believe anything they hear from flesh or the enemy. They will believe what God has said. Because your word says, O oh Lord, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Let them walk in that newness, O oh Lord. Let them know who they are in Christ Jesus. They struggle with those old temptations in the flesh, Lord. And I pray you will baptize them each day. Fill them each day with your Holy Spirit. And they will put to death those desires of the flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit. And He will give them and create in them new desires, O Lord. Desires that are after your own spirit, Lord. Of love and kindness and of righteousness and hunger for holiness. You will put these desires in them, O Lord. That they will walk and live in the spirit, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. This is the same prayer I pray for all of us, Lord. The rest of us. We all have only one way. The way of the Spirit, Lord. That we will walk in you, we will live in you, and we will find our comfort in you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I pray once again you protect all your people from this pandemic, Lord, that this will pass 
over your people. And the riots that are happening, Lord, I pray, Lord, you will protect your people, Lord. And I pray, Father, you will give the rulers wisdom how to handle these situations, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you. If you tarry to come tonight, you give us another day in the land of the living. We believe, Lord, we'll be all back here at the same place, the rest of them in their homes, and we will worship you and we will glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. See you tomorrow.